Emily, thank you for a wonderful introduction to our topic today. I almost feel like I can just say thank you very much and let's have a prayer, but that was wonderful. Let's do gather in prayer. Spirit of the living God, present with us now, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. Speak to each of us, speak to all of us, and may we be both hearers and doers of your word. Amen. These days have been filled with death and turmoil, brutality, posturing, pain, rage, and grief. And in preparing for our time together, I have churned over trying to find words that would be helpful, that would bring a starting place for us to to listen, to heal. And I realize I have no perfect words. I realize that this is my time to listen and to learn and to support Black Lives Matter. This Sunday we gather at the communion table and I hope that you're prepared to join us where you are. It seems fitting that we gather here it's a good place for us, even though we are physically separated, this table has been an anchor for me in these days. Because it's here that I remember that I am called to do justice, to love tenderly, and to walk humbly with God. Here, at this table, Christ calls us to remember. Remember that Christ actually died because of injustice, that Christ suffered because of politics gone bad, and then Christ came to us again and reminded us that we are much loved, all humanity much loved, all living things much loved, deeply, abidingly loved. This is the table of our Lord. A tangible reminder that God is with us, that God will lead us to justice and compassion and humility as we remember, as we remember and enact the remembrance, those memories. As a pastor friend said to me, let us resist giving in to seeing someone else as other or enemy. But see, every person is a child of God. That is our calling. And as Representative John Lewis has said, and keep working, working towards the day when we respect the dignity and the worth of every human being. And so I call on that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that we know that Jesus left with us, that we celebrated last Sunday in Pentecost, to enter our voices, to enter our actions so that they may meet the challenge before us with new energy, and new vision. Emily was right, our liturgical calendar for today is celebrating the Trinity. We don't usually celebrate doctrines of the church. We usually are celebrating the life of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit or God with us. But this Sunday we're celebrating a doctrine, the Trinity. The Trinity has always been complicated and mysterious to me. Anyone Anytime we approach describing God and God's ways in the world, I draw up short. 
I believe with many, if we think we have captured God, that we know and can say everything that we know about God, that we have fooled ourselves. However, we do need to find ways to talk about God, to talk about Christ, to talk about the Holy Spirit and how we understand that they work in and through us. Throughout history, the church has struggled to explain the relationship of God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Augustine, in the fifth century, tried to explain the Trinity by using a tree metaphor. Augustine said that root is wood, the trunk is wood, the branches are wood. Not three woods, but one. But distinctly different beings. Roots, trunk, branches. Thus, three distinct beings in one substance. St. Patrick famously tried to use the shamrock, the clover leaf, to explain the Trinity. And even in more, in more modern times, we have tried to use new language. I even heard someone refer to the Trinity as the old man, Jesus, and the bird. More theologically, we could say creator, redeemer, sustainer. And even in the 14th century, Julian of Norwich was struggling for language, and she understood God as mother, Jesus as brother. But the bottom line, the bottom line now, however we try to explain God or the Trinity, it's about God's relationship with us. Our assigned lectionary text for this day was not helpful to me, not being very Trinitarian in its discussion, but I was surprised as I spent time with it. Our scripture today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, the closing verses known as the Great Commission. Matthew's Gospel was probably written in the early days of the church between 70 and 100 of the Common Era. Matthew's Gospel has often been referred to as the Disciples' Handbook, the Handbook for the church, for those who are trying to live their life in Christ, teaching us how to live as disciples of Christ and how we are to be church. In our scripture, Christ has given the holy vision for our relationships with God and God in the world. Listen for God's word for you. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This scripture coming at the end of Matthew, I believe, became the summary for the writer of Matthew's mission statement. Although it would be a couple of hundred years before the Trinity was formulated, I hear early hints of that form as wrapping around the disciple that Matthew is speaking to. This is a shift for me. Strongly present is a sense of the mission of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the text itself. It becomes 
for me, a circle of relationship. Jesus says, all authority is given me in heaven and earth. This begins Jesus' foundational teaching about the connection with God himself and the Holy Spirit. This is a cosmic God statement, a statement from the depths of God's creative power, creator God. And then in the conclusion of the commission, Christ says, and I will be with you always. Emmanuel, God with us. It's circular and complete. Heaven and earth, the authority here, down here, around us, Christ, with us always. And in the middle, in the middle is a hint of Christ's economy, Christ's work in the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit's economy, work in the Holy Spirit that becomes ours, that becomes our mission. Jesus says, go. The work of the disciple is to go. For me, the going God who sent Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the going God sent Christ to be God going among us, Christ going among us, Christ gathering disciples, going into the world, God love present in Christ going. And now in the disciples, that is loose in the world. And then baptizing and teaching. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are there. This is the work of God's Spirit in the world to have messengers of God carrying God's nurturing, guiding Spirit. This is the moment when God's Spirit rests on the disciple, bringing God's Spirit to new disciples, baptizing and teaching and nurturing. The Creator God in Christ surrounds us in our discipleship our going in God's love, our nurturing and teaching in God's love. The commission, I believe, suggests a trinity plus. God, Christ, Spirit, plus us. You know, if we look through Scripture from Genesis forward, God is working through humanity in Christ and in the gift of God's Spirit with us always. The Great Commission is a Trinitarian plus call to mission with God. God not set over there in some triangular symbol, far from us, not Christ, not the Holy Spirit, but around us, circular around us, wrapped around us as bearers and animators of God's relationship of love. It's ironic that in this pandemic and in this social unrest that we're experiencing now, that we have been separated from each other, struggling to redefine how we are worshiping a church, how we are worshiping church, how we are being the body of Christ, relating to God and each other and the world. Our liturgical calendar brings this doctrine of relationships into our hearing, into our imaginations. The Russian painter Rublev, that we just saw the wonderful icon, uh, in the 15th century painted that icon. It's now become very famous. An icon is used as a work of art to help draw us prayerfully into the presence of God. It was originally known as the hospitality of Abraham. 
It reflects the visit of the three angels to Abraham and Sarah, where they offered hospitality. Others, though, as Emily wonderfully explained, have seen in the icon the Holy Trinity, three figures gathered in a circle at Abraham's table around a cup. In the icon, we imagine the Creator God gathered at the table with Christ and the Holy Spirit. And as we gaze with, to, at them, we see them acknowledging each other's presence, relating to each other, supporting each other, communing in communion with each other. You'll notice at the bottom of the icon is a rectangle. Legend has it that there was a reflecting glass there. The one observing the icon was being given a place at the table to complete the circle. This is where the mystery of the Trinity has opened up to me. God, God's self in Christ and the Holy Spirit is inviting me, inviting us to join this circle. The circle is not complete until I am present, until we are all present. God in relationship with God's creation, God's creatures the way God intends creation to be. The Trinity plus. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and even suggest that this is a quadrinity. That we have overlooked ourselves as an important part of God's work in the world and in the cosmos, in all creation. We are part of it. We are part of the Trinity, Trinity plus, the quadrinity. The ancient Greeks talked about the Trinity using the word perichoresis. It means rotation or it means dancing, if you will, in circles. God, the Holy Spirit, Christ, dancing together, holding hands. A dancing God, a God like no other, inviting us into the circle of life, inviting us into the circle of love, inviting us into the energy and life with God. If there is hope for us in these days, I believe that grasping the hands of the Trinity reaching out to us and embracing the energy of dancing, of living, of loving, joining the circle of life where we find it, reaching out to others is an important piece of who we are. That's at the heart of the Trinity, an ever-expanding circle, a circle of love, a circle that is life-giving. God. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and our great good news, us, all of us. Sometimes God breaks into our busyness with a teaching moment. Years ago, as I was doing the work of ministry at my desk, I heard the door of the church open. I heard footsteps approach the receptionist. I waited to hear what was unfolding. I heard a man's voice say, I need to see a pastor. At that time, I was the only pastor in the building. I thought, no, 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 not now, not now. I'm in the middle of so much here, not now. My desk phone rang. The receptionist said, someone is here to see the pastor. Yikes, I said, that, that must be me. Putting down my pen, saving what was on my computer, I slowly made my way to the front desk. I ran all the scenarios through my head that this might be about. Does he need a bill to pay? Gas? Does he need food? Does he need lodging? As I rounded the corner, I saw a very tall man standing there, obviously off the street. He was carrying all his belongings in sacks. 
I asked if he needed food or water or coffee. He said no. We moved toward the con to the conference room to uh, talk. We sat in chairs side by side, face to face. So I said, how can I help you today? He said, I don't need help right now. I came to pray. I said, what might I lift up for you in prayer? He said, I'm here to pray for you. Pray for me? Yes, can we pray, he said. Okay, yes, I said, part statement, part question. He began to pray. He prayed for me and my ministry that God might draw near. He prayed for the church that it would care for its people, the community, with love and compassion. He prayed that God's spirit might rest on us all. Tears formed in my eyes. He said, Amen. I looked at him. Now I more stared at him, deeply into his eyes. There was tenderness, there was wisdom, and there was weariness. He stood up and walked to the door. I moved in those moments as if I had entered a, entered a time warp. He left. As I stood stunned at the door, trying to grasp what had happened, I realized I had looked into the face of God. God had come to abide for a while. Emmanuel had crossed our threshold. The Holy Spirit had embraced time and place. Jesus was present, speaking in prayer. Transformation had occurred in both of us seeing each other differently for the very first time. This man was the messenger of God. This, for me, is the Great Commission. This is the Trinity plus. This is the way it works. This is the way we should work. An encounter with the living Trinity plus, plus the messenger. I claim this to be a quadratarian moment, more than just the Trinity. The four of us, the four of us, God, Holy Spirit, Christ, and messenger, messengers. Diana Butler Bass states, we live and move and have our being in a great web of belonging whose connective tissue is grace. Let us be God's grace for this desperate hurting time. How can we let our community know that black lives matter? How that life matters? In this trinity, quadrinity of relationship, how can we be allies? How can we listen and learn and be present? Riverside Church supports eye care, which is currently doing a study on police training lunch buddies with children. There's a school tax vote coming up to repair the schools too long in despair and disrepair. An infrastructure long overlooked in the northwest part of our community needs to be brought to current standards. We need to live at the circle of love. We need 
to live that ever-expanding circle. We need to live communion, common unity. The Creator God, the God of Christ's love, the powerful Spirit of God is moving among us now. I am assured of that, reaching out to our hands and our feet and our voices to grab hold, to grab hold and be part of this quadrinity, this trinity plus, this place of energy and love. Let's all grab hold. Thanks be to God. Amen.